Welcome back, y'all. So we left off with Jehu passing away, and Jehu was one of the kings of the northern tribe of Israel. And remember, the northern tribe of Israel, they didn't have any good kings in the sight of God, and the southern Judah tribe only had a very small handful. Jehu did seem like he would be a good guy, but when it came down to it, he did not obey and love God with all of his heart in God's After Our Hearts. So that's where we left off with his death. And then we're going to continue on in chapter 11, verse 1. When Athaliah, the mother of King Azahiah of Judah, learned that her son was dead, she began to destroy the rest of the royal family. But Ahaziah's sister, Jehobisha, the daughter of King Joram, took Ahaziah's infant son, Joash, and stole him away from the rest of the king's children who were about to be killed. She put Joash and his nurse in a bedroom, and they hid him from Athaliah, so the child was not murdered. Joash remained hidden in the temple of the Lord for six years while Athaliah ruled over the land. So the, the mother of the king who had been, who had recently passed away in Judah, he had recently died, she decided that she was going to rule. And she began to destroy the rest of the royal family so that she could rule the kingdom. So they hid this little infant baby away so that he would not be killed. In verse 4, in the seventh year of Athaliah's reign, Jehoiada, the priest, summoned the commanders, the Karite mercenaries, and the palace guards to come to the temple of the Lord. He made a solemn pact with them and made them swear an oath of loyalty there in the Lord's temple, and he showed them the king's son. Jehoiada told him, told them, this is what you must do. A third of you who are on duty on the Sabbath are to guard the royal palace itself. Another third of you are to stand guard at the surrogate. And the final third must stand guard behind the palace guard. These three groups will all guard the palace. The other two units who are off duty on the Sabbath must stand guard for the king at the Lord's temple. For a bodyguard around the king Form a bodyguard around the king and keep your weapons in hand. Kill anyone who tries to break through. Stay with the king wherever he goes. So the commanders did everything as Jehoiada the priest ordered. The commanders took charge of the men reporting for duty that Sabbath, as well as those who were going off duty. They brought them all to Jehoiada the priest, and he supplied them with spears and small shields that had once belonged to King David and were stored in the temple of the Lord. The palace guards stationed themselves around the king, and their weapons were ready. They formed a line from the south side of the temple around to the north side and all around the altar. Then Jehoiada brought out Joash, the king's son. He placed a crown on his head and presented him with a copy of God's law. They anointed him and proclaimed him king. And everyone clapped their hands and shouted, Long live the king. So the copy of God's law is the the law that the kings are supposed to follow. In this law, which is in Deuteronomy 17, we haven't seen this law mentioned or presented by any of the kings in a very long time. So this is a very good sign. 
And he's getting direction from a priest. So the priest is going to bring God's law back into the kingship. In verse 13, it goes on. When Athaliah heard the noise made by the palace guards and the people, she hurried to the Lord's temple to see what was happening. When she arrived, she saw the newly crowned king standing in his place of authority by the pillar, as was custom at times of coronation. The commanders and trumpeters were surrounding him, and people from all over the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. When Athaliah saw this, she tore her clothes in despair and shouted, Treason! Treason! Which is kind of ironic because she's the one that really committed treason. She took a throne that wasn't hers. But anyways, verse 15. Then Jehoiada the priest ordered the commanders who were in charge of the troops, take her to the soldiers in front of the temple and kill anyone who tries to rescue her. For the priest has said she must she must not be killed in the temple of the Lord. So they seized her and led her out the gate where horses enter the palace grounds, and she was killed there. So now we have um, a new king entering the throne of Judah. In verse 17, Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people that they would be the Lord's people. He also made a covenant between the king and the people. So he made a covenant saying that the people of Judah are going to be God's people. They're going to follow God. And then he also made a covenant between the new king and those people who are now going to follow God. And this, he's basically renewing their covenant. He's renewing a covenant with God. And we can renew our covenants with God anytime. Jehu fell just short of doing this, the northern king that was just killed in the last chapter. He just fell short of doing this and didn't quite get there. He just didn't get to renew the covenant and his heart seal with God. And instead, he chased his own agenda. And it's a good reminder that a covenant is something that you don't earn. And God keeps his end of the covenant. Jesus came to keep our end of the covenant So our covenant is not something that we have to do anything for. We just get to have it because of Jesus. And no matter how many steps we are away from God, it only takes one step back to renew that covenant with God. Um, So let's move on to, to verse 18. And all the people of the land went over to the temple of Baal and tore it down. They demolished the altars and smashed the idols to pieces, and they killed Matan, the priest of Baal, in front of the altars. Jehoiada the priest stationed guards at the temple of the Lord. Then the commanders of the Karite mercenaries, the palace guards, and all the people of the land escorted the king from the temple of the Lord. They went through the gate of the guards and into the palace, and the king took his seat on the royal throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was peaceful, because Athaliah had been killed at the king's palace. Joash was seven years old when he became king. Can you imagine? Um, That also means that the priest that governs the king is actually kind of running the kingdom through this child. In chapter 12, it continues with verse 1. Joash began to rule over Judah in the seventh year of King Jehu's reign in Israel. So this is back when Jehu was still alive. 
He reigned in Jerusalem for 40 years. His mother was Zebiah from Beersheba. All his life, Joaph did what was pleasing to the Lord's sight, because Jehoiada, the priest, instructed him. Yet even so, he did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. So the entire time, which we'll get when we get to Chronicles, we'll see how this plays out. But while the priest Jehoiada was governing through Joash, he was he did good and did the things that that God wanted him to do, and he did things that was pleasing inside of the Lord. Um, in verse 4, we'll continue. One day King Joash said to the priests, Collect all the money brought as sacred offerings to the Lord's temple, whether it is a regular assessment, a payment of vows, or a voluntary gift. Let the priests take some of that money to pay for whatever repairs are needed at the temple. But by the 23rd year of Joash's reign, the priests still had not repaired the temple. So King Joash called for Jehoiada and all the other priests and asked them, why haven't you repaired the temple? Don't use any more money for your own needs. From now on, it must be spent on temple repairs. So the priests agreed not to accept any more money for people, and they also agreed to let others take responsibility for repairing the temple. Then Jehoiada, the priest, bored a hole in the lid of the large chest and set it on the right-hand side of the altar at the entrance of the temple of the Lord. The priest guarding the entrance put all of the people's contributions into the chest. Whenever the chest became full, the court secretary and the high priest counted that money that had been brought into the Lord's temple and put it into bags. Then they gave the money to the construction supervisors who used it to pay the people working on the Lord's temple, the carpenters, the builders, the masons, and the stone cutters. They also used the money to buy the timber and the finished stone needed for repairing the Lord's temple and they paid any other expenses related to the temple's restoration. The money brought to the temple was not used for making silver bowls, lamp snuffers, basins, trumpets, or other articles of gold or silver for the temple of the Lord. It was paid to the workmen who used it for the temple repairs. No accounting of this money was required from the construction supervisors because they were honest and trustworthy men. However, the money that was contributed for the guilt offerings and sin offerings was not brought into the Lord's temple. It was given to the priests for their own use. So a little nugget about this passage. What basically happened here was they took out the middleman from the offerings and basically opened up a free will offering that was simply to be used to repair the temple so that this temple could get repaired. And it worked. The money came in and people were like, oh, that's going for that. I want to give to that. So it be, became a free will offering, and it worked because they were able to get that temple restored. In verse 17, about this time, King Hazael of Aram went to war against Gath and captured it. Then he turned to attack Jerusalem. King Joash collected all the sacred objects that Jehoshaphat, Joram, and Azahiah, the previous kings of Judah, had dedicated, along with what he himself had dedicated. He sent them all to Hazael, along with all the gold in the treasures of the Lord's temple and the royal palace. So Hazael called off his attack on Jerusalem. The rest of the events in Joash's reign and everything he did are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. Joash's officers plotted against him and assassinated him at Beth Milo on the road to Silla. 
The assassins were Josachar, son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, son of Shomer, both trusted advisors. Joash was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. Then his son Amaziah became the next king. So that takes us through chapters 11 and 12. And we had a good king here for Judah's side. And when we come back tomorrow, we'll move on to chapter 13 and see what's going on on the Israel side. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.